Welcome to the Senedd Podcast. These are the First Minister's Questions. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Minister. The next item is questions to the First Minister, and the first question is from David Rees. What action is the Welsh Government taking to reduce industrial pollution? The Welsh Government has provided the regulators with an extensive range of enforcement tools to reduce industrial pollution. We expect those powers to be used to prevent incidents from taking place and to take remedial action when incidents do occur. Well, can I thank the First Minister for his answer in relation to that point? Last week we had a debate here in the Chamber on Air Quality and Clean Air Act possibility, focused very much on PM10s, PM2.5s and vehicle emissions. But of course industrial pollution is also added to that, particularly nuisance dust, which people might consider as a harm to health, but actually it drives people's mental well-being downwards as they come in day after day to see the mess available outside their homes and in their properties and everything else. I've raised this many times in this chamber, First Minister. Now, we all understand the importance of industries to our local economies, but it's also a need for them to be responsible neighbours. Now, as we have left the European Union and we are now looking at an environment bill to come from the Welsh Government, it is an opportunity for us to actually look at regulations and improving environmental regulations, strengthen them to ensure that the number of days which are being breached on the levels of safety standards is reduced, that NRW has more teeth so that they can actually take action when those neighbours are not responsible. And we can ensure that industries such as the Steelworks and my own constituency and others are ensuring that they do not emit beyond the reasonable levels and they do not have the impact upon our communities, which is driving those communities downwards in a mental health condition. I have so many constituents raising concerns about the pollution day after day after day they're seeing, and sometimes just noise pollution as well. So these are very important issues. Will you use the environmental bill to actually give us that strength to ensure that we can take action when necessary? Well, so I thank David Rees for those uh, questions and recognise the uh, extent to which he always speaks up here on the floor of the Assembly for the importance of the steel industry in his own constituency, but as he says, uh, for that industry to be a good neighbour uh, to those who live alongside it. Uh, and of course the environment uh, legislation that we will bring forward will be an opportunity to look at the uh, standards we have in place, the enforcement powers we have in place, uh, in the immediate uh, future, we are putting significant pressure on the UK government to make sure that the Industrial Emissions Directive, which currently governs uh, emissions and industrial pollution, that they commit to that continuing beyond the EU exit transition period. Uh, and while that is going on, there are two other developments this year, which I know will be of direct interest to David Rees's constituents. There's the draft clean air plan consultation going on to the 10th of March and where the Minister has already said she will look to see if regulators need further powers and specifically in the Portalbert context. So if there's an ongoing review of the short-term action plan uh, independently uh, advised by the University of the South West of England carried out in consultation with Tata, NRW and Neath Portalbert County Borough Council. And again, I know that the Minister has very specifically committed that nuisance dust, which, as David Rees says, causes distress to people who live in that uh, locality, that that will be encompassed in that review. David Melding. Um, First Minister, in the absence of a Clean Air Act, as you've indicated, we are to have a Clean Air Plan. 
uh, once the consultation finishes and you respond to it and then uh, put it into effect. Um, and central to the new regime will be prevention and control regulations that uh, apply best available techniques or BAT for pollution control. Perhaps you could uh, uh, elaborate on what this is likely to be because I do think we need a mixture of ensuring that our major industries themselves improve their own practices but obviously there's an enforcement uh, regime that ensures that they don't do it voluntarily, uh, they will uh, be brought to book. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank David Milding for that. He's absolutely right. The polluter pays principle uh, is centrally important uh, here. Industries that cause industrial pollution must take responsibility themselves uh, for reducing that uh, pollution and they must pay for the cost of regulation uh, as well. Uh, the best available techniques come under the Industrial Emissions Directive and are the practical way in which that directive is given force because it requires uh, companies that emit industrial pollution to demonstrate that they are taking advantage of the most recent uh, techniques available to reduce environmental impact from their industrial activities. And as I said uh, to David Rees, there is a job of work to be done in persuading the UK government that that regime, which has served us well and can continue to do so even more effectively in the future, that that regime is not set aside when we leave the European Union finally at the end of this calendar year. Uh, I'm sure, First Minister, that you'll be uh, aware of the recent fire at Kronospan in Turk, an area, of course, which I represent uh, in this uh, Assembly. Uh, I'm told it's the 17th fire in around 18 years, although anecdotally local people are telling me that they happen even more often than that. Um, but be that as it may, I mean, they're absolutely fed up with uh, these kinds uh, of incidents. And there are big questions to be answered uh, around this particular uh, event. Questions around why there was such a slow response in informing local people uh, about the fire. Why it took 48 hours for air pollution monitoring equipment to get uh, to Chirk. Uh, why the fire raged for so long. So will you, as First Minister, set up an independent inquiry to answer some of these questions and give local residents the peace of mind that they deserve? Uh, well, thank you, Griffith, uh, for that. I was indeed aware of the fire at the Konospan uh, site because I know that my colleague Ken Skates, as the local member, had met with the company uh, with Unite the Union, representing the workforce uh, at the site, to find out from them the actions that they were taking. Uh, Wrexham County Borough Council was also represented at that meeting because it is the local authorities' responsibility now to investigate whether or not the constraints that are meant to operate around that site were properly uh, in place uh, at the time that the fire uh, occurred. Uh, the County Borough Council must report on its investigations by the end of April of this year. And I think it is only fair to allow them to carry out that responsibility to see what that report uh, uncovers before we decide whether any further action is required. Question Dine. Question two, Neil Hamilton. Uh, what assessments the First Minister made of improvements to the health service over the last year? I thank the member for that question. Over the last 12 months, the Welsh NHS has treated more patients more successfully than at any time in its 70-year history. Record numbers of staff and record levels of investment lie behind these improvements. I thank the uh, First Minister for that reply, but I think uh, most fair-minded people will say that that's a, a very partial answer to the question. The reality is that, in many respects, performance in the health service has got dramatically worse in the last 12 months. 
as far as Betsy Cadwallader is concerned, a third of patients are now waiting over four hours for accident and emergency, compared with only 20% four years ago. 22,000 patients have been left in referral treatment system over 36 weeks on recent figures, compared to only 15,000 six years ago, and the many other failures which have regularly been shown up in this chamber. What's happened here is that we've normalised failure in the health service in Wales, and it isn't the fault of those who work within the system. It's a failure of management and political control. And uh, given that health consumes over a half of the Welsh Government's budget, it's not just the failure of his government which is involved here, but actually, in the growing number of people's minds, the failure of devolution itself. Is it any wonder, therefore, that 25% of people of Wales in a recent poll said that they thought that this place should be abolished? So that perhaps will be his epitaph. Uh, well, uh, shall we, the member, repeat this week what he said last week? I repeat my advice uh, to him then. Uh, he lectures us whenever he has the opportunity on respecting the referendum of, the twen of 2016. Two referendums have established this institution, and on both occasions, people in Wales decided to set up a Senedd uh, for Wales, and on the second occasion, radically to strengthen the powers that are discharged uh, here. That is the verdict of the people of Wales on devolution, and that's why we meet here to discharge their instructions. As far as what fair-minded people would say about the health service, I don't know whether he was hoping to persuade us that he himself would be covered by that definition, uh, but let me just say to him that last year's satisfaction survey of the health service in Wales, not carried out by the Welsh Government, carried out entirely independently, found that 93% of people in Wales were satisfied by the service they received in primary care, 93% were satisfied by the service they received when they last visited a hospital, and that's what fair-minded people in Wales report. Leanne Wood. A shortage of A&E consultants has been cited as the primary reason for the Cumtav Health Board proposing to cut our A&E services. And the shortage is part of a UK trend, uh, so we're told. The implications of centralisation, such as increased travel times, the high levels of ill health, or the overcrowding at other hospitals, seems to be secondary considerations. With that in mind, I want to ask you about publicly available figures showing A&D consultant numbers across the various health boards since 2013, the year before the decisions were taken as part of the South Wales programme. The figures show three health boards significantly increased A&E consultants between 2013 and 2018. An Eirin Bevan health board added a third more A&E consultants. Cardiff and The Vale increased their A&E consultant numbers by more than 50%. Neither health board has a consultant-led A&D unit under threat. Does this not show that the Labour government-backed South Wales programme was a self-fulfilling prophecy. That programme has acted as a block on recruitment and explains why both yourselves and the Health Board have failed to fill consultant vacancies at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital. And given those failures, will you now commit, as First Minister and leader of this Labour government, that 24-hour consultant-led services will be maintained at the Royal Glamorgan Hospital? You can give that commitment and you can give our A&E a future. Will you do that now? 
Well, Thomas, what the figures uh, quoted by Leanne Wood demonstrate is that this is a mobile workforce with a shortage profession where people who are, are able to be AME consultants themselves make decisions about where they go to work. Uh, and nobody, neither she nor I, are in a position to direct people to take up jobs. People apply and they decide, and as you have seen, people do that. And that's just the nature of the way uh, that people are recruited in a shortage profession. It would help a lot, I think, if members were willing to listen to the answer rather than shouting across it all the time. There's three members from Applied Cymru Benches who have tried to interrupt me in this one answer. So there is a mobile workforce and people go to jobs that they decide to apply for. The South Wales programme to which Leanne Wood uh, referred was a massive clinically led programme that had buy-in from health boards and clinicians right across South Wales. It was not a programme led by the government. It was a programme led by doctors and clinicians in the health service. And the answer in the position of the Royal Glamorgan Hospital, that it is in the end, when clinicians have had the advice they need, when they've answered the questions that they need to answer, that that is a decision that is best made by doctors and not a decision made by politicians. Vicky Howells. Vicky Howells. Um, First Minister, work is now well underway on the new £4 million Mountain Ash Primary Healthcare Centre and this is great news for the local community, bringing a range of services together and replacing existing GPE facilities um, which were outdated and frankly not fit for purpose. In what other ways is the Welsh Government supporting um, to help deliver improvements to primary healthcare in the Cynon Valley? Well, thank you, Vicky Howells. Uh, for that. Uh, however, I was being told uh, just a couple of days ago by the leader of RCT Council about the excitement that the new £4 million health centre is creating in Mountain Ash, one of 19 new primary care centres that this government is funding during this Assembly uh, term. And it will bring together uh, current GP surgeries in a new facility that as well as providing better facilities for existing staff will allow that centre to attract that wider range of clinical professionals that we know are required to go on sustaining primary care all across Wales. It will be a multidisciplinary team in the new Mountain Ash Primary Care Centre and that will guarantee that services for people in that community will be safe, secure and sustainable for years to come. Questions from the party leaders. Plaid leader Adam Price. Will you sack the chief whip? Uh, either, and if the leader of the Brexit party could be silent, then maybe we could have heard the question. Will you, will you sack the chief whip? No. Uh, your predecessor and, uh, 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 had to face a similar uh, predicament, of course, when uh, Leighton Andrews uh, campaigned against a school closure in his constituency. Uh, he did then resign. The similarities between the two cases are much more striking uh, than any differences, though the protest there was outside the Senate, not in uh, the constituency. The Labour source quoted by the BBC today says that this is a clear breach of the ministerial code. Now, I completely understand why Labour backbench members 
uh, want to campaign against health uh, closures under your government. But surely the position of ministers is different. Accountability for the health service must lie with ministers collectively in the Welsh Government. Otherwise, what is the point uh, of the Welsh Government? And in seeking to have it both ways, in enforcing a self-denying ordinance when it comes to ministerial intervention in the case of A&E at the Royal Glamorgan, but giving carte blanche to ministers when it is politically convenient to intervene uh, in uh, relation to constituency matters, you're eroding trust in politics and in this institution. So I ask you again, First Minister, will you uh, remove the Chief Whip from Government or are you saying that what she has said on the ward closure now reflects Government policy? Well, I have seldom heard more nonsense spoken in this Assembly. Now, I took the trouble to bring the Ministerial Code with me. I don't suppose the member took the trouble to read it. He's not a man for detail. Uh, as we know. But let me acquaint him with the detail of the ministerial code. Here it is. He groans at the thought of being uh, informed so that he can ask a better question next time, because his question this afternoon is just the minute you look at the ministerial code, you will see that his question has absolutely no substance at all. Here it is, paragraph 4.7 in the ministerial uh, code. Ministers are free. Ministers are free to make their views about constituency matters known. They can do it by writing to the responsible minister, by leading deputations, or by personal interview. What the member for the Vale of Glamorgan did is entirely consistent with the ministerial code. I know because I took the trouble to check it before this afternoon. And let me tell you this. You aren't a government minister for 20 years in devolution without understanding what you can and cannot do in your constituency and ministerial capacities. And the member for the Vale of Glamorgan has a better understanding in her little finger of the probity and decency required of ministers than his question this afternoon demonstrates for a moment. Yes, I, uh, I did take uh, the opportunity to read the Ministerial Code, well, and it's quite it again, clear then. in the Ministerial Code that Ministers cannot campaign against Government policy. This ward closure was a di direct result of your own Government policy. That's the point. You're in danger on the NHS of turning double standards into an art form, of having your kick as a Government and eating it as an opposition. It's your policy that led to this proposed closure. The cheap whip is campaigning against your own government policy. You know, in other parliaments, in other contexts, she'd be, as Chief Whip, she'd have to have a stern word with herself now and remove the whip from herself. You couldn't make it up, First Minister, except you do time after time when it's politically expedient to do so. Whatever happened to collective responsibility? Well, the truth, however, is that I'm not making it up, but he certainly is. There is no conflict at all. The Ministerial Code, however, let me just explain to the, the member just one more time. What is at the heart of the Ministerial Code is this. Nobody's constituents should be advantaged because their elected member is a minister. Nobody's constituents should be disadvantaged because their elected member is a minister. And ministers are completely free in the terms of the code 
to act as the member for the Vale of Glamorgan did on this occasion. Uh, five different times during the period of this institution, mem uh, constituents in that part of Wales have had an opportunity to choose their representative, and they've chosen the same person every time. Uh, I think they will go on doing that because they know that she understands how she can best represent their interests and be a minister and a very effective minister in the Welsh uh, Government. And nothing at all that has been said this afternoon casts any doubt at all on her actions. The opposition, Paul Davis. Uh, First Minister, what uh, specific actions is your Government now taking to support the more than 12,000 survivors of domestic abuse in Wales? Uh, well, thank the member uh, for that important question. Uh, the Welsh Government has taken a series of actions following uh, the passage of the Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence uh, Act put on the statute book uh, here. We have trained record numbers of staff uh, in public services to make sure that they are able to ask and act, uh, as we say, to make sure people recognise the potential of domestic violence, to ask people whether that has been part of their experience and then to act uh, on it. Uh, we have provided funding both for the training of public sector workers but also for services of people who find themselves uh, victims of domestic violence. And as the member will know, the fourth phase of a very successful awareness campaign on coercive control was launched at the start of this year. Uh, and we look forward to that campaign having even further success beyond the success it demonstrated in 2019. Uh, of course, First Minister, it's been four years since the Violence Against Women, Domestic Abuse and Sexual Violence Act 2015 came into uh, force. And I asked you earlier about what specific actions your government is now taking to support survivors, because at the end of last year, the Auditor General for Wales's report into domestic abuse made several recommendations on improving services for people going through domestic abuse, abuse. Now, crucial in providing the right support is mapping an accurate picture of service provision and ensuring a joint pathway of support so that survivors don't have to navigate a complex and fragmented system. The Auditor General reported that there was a postcode lottery of provision with some survivors stating that they were overwhelmed by the number of agencies, while some fell through the gaps and some have reported inconsistencies with information from different agencies. Of major concern was the 431 survivors who were not able to access a refuge. Now, shortly after the report was published, your government stated that it welcomed the report and its recommendations, but you needed time to reflect on those recommendations. Can you therefore tell us when will you be responding to this report, given <coughs> you've had nearly now three months to respond uh, to it? And can you also give us an indication of what you <coughs> do differently as a government in light of this particular report? Well, thank uh, the member for those important follow-up uh, questions. Uh, the government's response to the report has already begun uh, to be formulated. Uh, we will draw together all the different threads in a more formal uh, way, but the National Advisors Quarterly Report, uh, which was uh, a request of the uh, Equality and Local Government uh, Committee, so that our national advisors, the two of them, publish their reports on the Welsh Government now every quarter, not just annually. Uh, their quarterly report in December 
demonstrated a series of actions that they and the Welsh Government are taking to respond to some of those important points in the WA report, particularly about complexity, particularly about the difficulty that individuals can have in navigating their way to where help might be available uh, for them. Uh, and that quarterly report demonstrates the additional activity that is being carried out on regional collaboration, uh, on aligning devolved and non-devolved responsibilities, shows three workshops that are being carried out in January to March of this year, each one of which will be chaired by one of the uh, national advisers. They are reviewing all the local strategies that have now been submitted uh, under the Act. They are working with Public Health Wales and with Police and Crime Commissioners in order to make sure that the, the real efforts that are being made by public services in Wales to respond to this agenda can be coordinated better, can be simplified from the point of view of the user to make sure that anybody who is in need of help in this very, very uh, serious uh, policy area can find their way to that help as fast and as easily as possible. I appreciate that response, uh, First Minister, but I am concerned about the continuing delays associated with the 2015 Act because uh, your government has now taken more than four years to actually lay national indicators following that specific Act. And we on this side of the Chamber want to work with you to ensure that the national indicators and the objectives of the National Advisers on Domestic Abuse are absolutely appropriate. However, I am concerned that the objectives don't appear to focus on a major area of helping to increase victim confidence and access to justice, especially as four out of five women do not report abuse to the police. Overall, the Auditor General found that only 60% of organisations believe that they have put in place appropriate performance measures for the Act, with fewer than 65% using victims and survivors' satisfaction to improve services. First Minister, can you therefore reassure us today, and indeed the people of Wales, that your Government will improve the speed of your actions around this horrific aspect of life for many people in Wales? Well, uh, thank the Member for his indication of cross-party uh, support uh, here for the actions that lie behind the Act and thing, everything the public services are trying uh, to do. Uh, it's 18 months since the field work that lay behind the WA report, WAO report was uh, carried out. And I think that a series of things have been put in place uh, since then. The annual report of the National Advisers referred to real momentum uh, over that period. None of the recommendations in the WAO report were for the Welsh Government. They were all actions for service providers to take. But I want to give him an assurance and people in Wales who take an interest in this that we continue as a government uh, to invest in this area. Extra revenue, extra capital in the draft budget in front of the National Assembly and to respond to it with the urgency that this agenda really deserves. The Leader of the Brexit Party, Mark Reckless. <laughs> First Minister, last night, uh, a few miles southeast of here, councillors uh, voted by 18 to 17 to block Bristol Airport from expanding any further, as they say it would exacerbate the climate emergency. 
with Bristol Airport set to hit its 10 million passenger limit next year, does the First Minister welcome this opportunity for Cardiff Airport to expand its flights and serve passengers who would otherwise have gone to Bristol? Well, the opportunity that I have always seen for Cardiff Airport, uh, shall we, is not to add to climate change by having more aeroplanes in the sky, but it is to divert to Cardiff passengers who currently have to travel beyond Wales, adding to the carbon footprint uh, as they do so. There are real opportunities uh, if the UK Government will work with us on this agenda to allow people who currently travel to Bristol, but also further afield for long-haul services out of Birmingham or Manchester or uh, Heathrow to have those services here in Wales, not to add to climate change, but to prevent the journeys that at the moment are adding to the carbon that we all produce. I hear what the First Minister um, says in response, but on climate change, the Future Generations Commissioner has observed the steps that the government are taking do not appear to match the declaration of a climate emergency. Some taxpayers may welcome that in view of the amount of money that you've put into Cardiff Airport. If Cardiff Airport expands to take flights that Bristol bans, perhaps Welsh Government may at some point see a return on its money. And if those flights don't go from Bristol, surely it's a case of people who would otherwise have gone to Bristol, including from the west of England and beyond, who may instead travel to Cardiff with the CO2 emissions that implies to use flights that we could uh, accommodate at Cardiff. You also pledged grants of £18.8 million to Aston Martin to build gas-guzzling SUVs near the airport at St Athens. You even, you even celebrated the announcement of 4,000 petrol DBXs a year by pretending to be James Bond in a video. Uh, how does that square with your climate change priorities? Meanwhile, you've announced 140 million of capital climate change funding, yet you've no plans to switch the suggested 1 billion annual revenue funding you would need to meet your climate change targets. Indeed, the draft budget provides for bus subsidy to be cut next year in real terms. First Minister, as effective action is so expensive, will you continue to prioritise words over action in climate change? <laughs> well, uh, if it wasn't uh, for the fact that satire is so clearly dead, uh, you might have thought that the member had a humour bypass. Uh, there is no need for us on this uh, side of the chamber uh, to be taking lessons on climate change uh, from a party that is festooned with climate change uh, deniers, uh, whose grasp of the seriousness of the problem facing uh, the globe is so out of kilter with the seriousness of that issue. Uh, this government is absolutely committed to playing our part in making sure that we take the actions that we can take to hand on this planet to those who come after us in a condition that would not make us ashamed of the way that we have discharged our responsibilities in the brief moment that they lie in our hands. That's what we will do, and I don't think we will find many lessons from his party in doing so. To note question three Question three is withdrawn. Question four, Joyce Watson. Uh, what assessment has the First Minister made of the effectiveness of the Welsh Government's strategy to tackle domestic violence and abuse? Well, thank the member for that question. The annual report of the National Advisers on Domestic Violence and Abuse 
concluded that there is still much more to do to improve the lives of those at risk, but that the act placed on the statute book by this Senedd is one of the greatest achievements of devolution and leads the rest of the United Kingdom. Um, yes, I agree with, with that. But last uh, Thursday, I attended the launch of the Welsh Government and New Pathways. This is sexual abuse campaign uh, where uh, Jane Hutt, Minister with Responsibility, actually launched that campaign. And it was great to be in a room where everyone is committed to working together to bring an end to the silence around sexual abuse for men, women and children, uh, regardless of their age. And I'd uh, personally like to thank the survivors who bravely shared their stories with us at that event. And the aim of that campaign is uh, to help people recognise the signs of sexual abuse and encourage them to seek the help that they need if they are uh, experiencing any form of abuse. Uh, First Minister, what help is Welsh Government uh, giving to those organisations who will be su supporting survivors who may choose, as a consequence of that excellent uh, session last Thursday, to now come forward and seek help? Well, uh, can I thank Joyce Watson for that and for the consistent way over so many years that she herself has spoken up uh, on these issues here uh, in the chamber. And she's right, it's a it's genuinely humbling to be in an event when survivors of domestic violence and abuse and other forms of abuse uh, in the home tell their stories and do it because of their determination to encourage others to have the courage to do the same uh, thing. And the ask uh, and act approach that I referred to in my answer to Paul Davis is very much uh, part uh, of that. And to uh, just recap a couple of the things I said earlier, Llywydd, uh, the Welsh Government has found the resources to train 167,500 workers in the techniques uh, required by the Act. We fund the Live Fear free helpline to the tune of £455,000 every year. Uh, in the quarter to December, there were over 8,000 incoming calls to that Helpline, which I think is at least some reflection of the success that campaigns last year uh, have had. And workers on the helpline themselves made nearly 2,000 calls uh, to follow up on issues that people phoning into the helpline had raised with them to get them the help that Paul Davis referred to uh, earlier. Uh, in this financial year, we will provide over £200,000 to the Welsh Sexual Violence Service, including specialist training for staff and direct support to victims of sexual violence to make sure that the people who came to the event that Joyce Watson uh, referred to and help us to make sure that the voice of survivors is always there shaping the work that we do to make sure that that goes on being supported here in Wales. Mark Ishwood. Uh, um, we've heard reference to last November's Wales Audit Office uh, report on progress in implementing the uh, Violence Against Women, Domestic Abuse and Sexual uh, uh, Violence Act, which highlighted gaps in engagement with specialist services and survivors in the implementation 
of the Act. According to the Crime Survey of England and Wales to March last year, and there will be new figures next month, an estimated 1.6 million women and 786,000 men experience emotional, financial and physical abuse, or a mixture of all three in a domestic context. And of course, the vast majority uh, of the victims and survivors of partner or ex-partner uh, abuse were women. And uh, Welsh Women's Aid has also noted that their members who work with survivors of sexual violence have told them that survivors of sexual abuse are not receiving the equivalent priority by commissioners and public services as survivors of domestic abuse. Uh, how do you therefore respond to their calls and the calls of other experts working in this field for that deficit to be addressed so that, for example, uh, the Housing Support Grant Commissioning covers all forms of uh, violence against women, domestic abuse and sexual violence, rather than with a default, default assumption focusing on domestic abuse? Uh, well, I have set out a series of ways in which the Welsh Government is uh, responding to that report and supporting public services in Wales in the work uh, that they do. Uh, I'll put it to the member that another way in which he and his party could help in this agenda would be to have supported last week uh, the Thomas Commission report into justice in Wales, because some of the gaps which appear in public services in responding to women who report sexual violence is in the way that the police and the criminal justice system respond to those complaints. Uh, and the Thomas Commission report highlights that and suggests that we would be able to make a more coherent set of services available if those decisions were here in the hands of this elected Senate. I agree with that, and it would have been helpful if his party had agreed with that last week as well. Question Pimp. Question five, Andrew Arty Davis. Thank you, uh, presiding officer. First Minister, will you make a statement on Welsh Government proposals around water pollution? I thank the member for that. Lawydd. Agricultural pollution affects the health and quality of our rivers, lakes and streams across Wales. Clean water is essential for all our lives. We must take proportionate, targeted action to address the problem. The Minister will make a statement on the way forward shortly in the light of the evidence. Uh, thank you, First Minister, for that response. And in light of the evidence that came available to members last week from an FOI that the National Farmers Union secured out of Natural Resources Wales, uh, the evidence that they had submitted to the Minister's Department in respect to the regulatory impact assessment highlighted that the Government's proposals could have a perverse outcome uh, and actually exacerbate the issue around pollution and water, dirty water going into watercourses. Uh, can you, after I asked the same question a month ago to, me, to you, First Minister, confirm that you have come conversant with all the proposals that Welsh Government are talking about, and that any statement that the Minister will make will be made on the floor of this chamber, not in a recess period, because of the magnitude of what has been talked about here, as NRW have talked about, instead of just looking at the two options which the Welsh <coughs> Government looked at, which was a do-nothing approach or a, or a cut-and-paste exercise around nitrate-vulnerable zones, the Welsh Government should have considered other options, that that statement needs to be tested by members in this chamber and those concerns from the regulator itself be taken into account. Well, Llawydd, I can give the member an assurance that the concerns of the regulator uh, were taken into account. That's why they were being asked to uh, share in the effort of reviewing the draft regulatory impact assessment alongside other stakeholders. Uh, and when the regulations are published, there will be the final RIA published alongside it for members here 
uh, to see. Uh, the reason why regulations are necessary is because we go on week in and week out seeing incidents of agricultural pollution here in Wales. That is not acceptable. It harms biodiversity, it harms public health, it harms farm incomes, it harms drinking water, and we have to take action. Uh, the points that the regulator made will be reflected in the RIA, and there will be ample opportunity for members here to question ministers on it once it has been published and they've had a chance to consider it. Nobody's questioned whether, whether there's a need for regulation. The question here is, of course, the, the proportionality of those regulations. And not even Natural Resources Wales agree with your minister's approach for a whole Wales uh, designation. And it's certainly been uh, a matter of concern and correspondence for a huge number of my uh, electors. Now, uh, I raised with the minister last week in questions, uh, serious questions about the evidence base uh, that the proposals that we've seen thus far uh, are based upon. And we really need an opportunity, I think, when uh, the final regulations are tabled, to really robustly test those here in this chamber. You told us that a statement would be made shortly. I'd like to think that this government isn't as cynical as to slip out a written statement over half term. At the very least, in the interests of transparency and accountability, we should have an oral statement here. Anything short of that would be uh, a dereliction, really, and wouldn't be uh, acceptable. This is the single biggest issue that I've had correspondence on from my electors for many, many months. If you just try and do it that way, I think that would be abhorrent. Well, so there will be ample opportunity for members here to ask questions, to raise uh, concerns, as members are doing here uh, this afternoon. There will be no absence of opportunity for members to carry out their job of scrutinising and questioning uh, ministers. On the issue of nitrate vulnerable zones, uh, many times when I've answered questions here, I've been lectured by five Cymru members uh, on respecting the advice of the UK C. And the member will have seen the advice of the UK C on the 23rd of January uh, 2020 uh, in its land use policies for a net zero UK. The very first policy that it says we have to uh, introduce is low carbon farming practices. And it says that before 2023, the extension of nitrate vulnerable zones must be extended to cover the whole of the United Kingdom. Now, he shakes his head there because he wants to be selective. You see, he wants to lecture me about making sure that this government takes the advice and acts on it and then accuses us of not acting quickly enough on it. But when he doesn't like their advice, he wants us to reject it. And we won't be doing that, Llywydd. Uh, we rely on the advice of the UK Triple uh, C and their advice on this issue is clear and explicit. Heaven David. I've written to the Ministry of, uh, uh, of the Environment asking for a meeting with um, uh, members, farming members of NFU Cymru um, to discuss these regulations um, and I'm awaiting a response. Um, I think the question is do they demonstrate the need for scrutiny of these regulations. I've held meetings with Caerphilly uh, NFU members um, and the Farmers Union of Wales to discuss their concerns. And on smaller farms, such as those in Bedwas and Llambradach, um, the uh, regulations as originally proposed would have an intolerable financial burden. However, we also need to address problems such as the um, industrial-scale slurry spreading operation run by 
Bryn Group at Getli Algresli Ichav Farm that is causing problems for people in Getli Gair and Penabryn. Um, and I, I've met with Natural Resources Wales and Caerphilly Council, and they feel that there is a gap in the regulations there that prevents them from taking action in those cases. Therefore, I think we need to find a balance, a sensible balance, between not disadvantaging and harming those farms like Bedwis and Llambradech and dealing with industrial scale farms like Gellia Gwesli Health Farm. Can the First Minister give us an indication of how a sensible balance can be met? Well, thank you, Heaven, David, for that. He's right, of course, we want a balanced and proportional approach. But the way you get balance and proportionality here is by having a single rule book, which you then apply differentially in the different circumstances of different types uh, and uh, natures of farms. Uh, and that is what uh, the Welsh Government has been uh, working on. And when we are ready to uh, publish the regulations, that is what the member uh, will see. But it is not one rule fits everybody. It is a single and common set of rules, but the way that you apply them will be proportionate and balanced and will reflect the needs and circumstances of particular farms and the extent to which they make a contribution to the very real problem of agricultural pollution. Question uh, what assessments has the First Minister made of the effectiveness of Welsh Government intervention in the NHS? I thank the Member for that. Intervention arrangements are not assessed by the Welsh Government alone. They are the result of the tripartite structure, which includes the Welsh Government, Healthcare, Inspectorate Wales and the Wales Audit Office. That forum meets twice a year to consider a wide range of information and intelligence to inform the assessment of intervention on which the Welsh Government then acts. I'm very grateful for your response, First Minister. You'll be aware that we're into the fifth year of special measures in respect of the Betsy Cadwallader University Health Board uh, in North Wales, and in many respects, people feel as though the recent departure of the Chief Executive is taking us back pretty much to square one in terms of the improvement that we need to see in our mental health services. You refer to the tripartite um, arrangements in terms of reviewing the intervention levels for NHS organisations. What consideration do, uh, is given uh, at those particular uh, meetings when there are reports which are clearly being held by the Health Board, which are critical uh, reports, there was an independent report done into psychological therapies, they were not shared with either the Wales Audit Office or Healthcare Inspectorate Wales in order to assist them in informing the Welsh Government uh, and giving uh, advice to the Welsh Government on the level of intervention uh, in North Wales. I'm very concerned uh, about that. I've had, uh, I've had uh, written uh, confirmation that that information was not shared. This is vital if we're to get this organisation in North Wales back into shape so that it can give patients uh, the level of service that they uh, deserve. So what action will your government take to make sure that when reports of that nature are published in the future, they are always shared with those organisations that give you advice on the special measures arrangements? Uh, well, thank the member for that. The psychological therapies review, as I said last week in the chamber, was a review commissioned by the health board itself carried out uh, independently to make sure that the Health Board had the best information. And my understanding is, is that the Health Board has never intended anything other than that report will be published once it has had a proper opportunity uh, to scrutinise it and to be ready to respond uh, to it. And where I agree entirely uh, with Darren Miller is that the report should be published 
and then that report must be available to the tripartite meetings that make a judgment on whether an escalation status should be reduced, as it has been in two health boards in Wales over recent uh, times, whether a health board needs further intervention and assistance, or whether to leave things uh, as they are, as they do with uh, seven out of 11 health boards uh, in Wales who are at the lowest level uh, of intervention. To make those judgments, they need the broadest possible range of information and reports of this sort. Once the health board is in a position to publish it, of course, that should be made available to them. Question, Question 7, Hiwaranka Davis. What plans does the Welsh Government have to improve bus services in the South Wales Valleys? Uh, thank Hiwaranka uh, Davis uh, for that. Uh, the bus bill to be introduced by the Welsh Government uh, later in this term will allow local authorities to plan services in the public interest and to, st and to stimulate demand for bus services in the South Wales Valleys and elsewhere in Wales. The First Minister will know that for me and many of my South Wales Valleys uh, representatives uh, here, uh, we don't have the options for train in many of these valleys. It is bus that is the critical one. If we want to encourage people to make that modal shift across onto public transport with the climate change gains, but also a different way of travelling as well. But the reality is, I think, that unless we actually reverse the absolute disastrous deregulation of buses that happened decades ago, and we can put in place, alongside the South Wales Metro, the site, the type of planned, both strategic and local network of buses that will get people to work on time, to their hospital appointment and their surgery, and to socialise and deal with isolation as well, then we cannot do it. So I would like to ask him what his thoughts are on that emerging scenario around a more planned uh, regime, a reversal of the deregulation that we saw. And could I ask, also ask him whether, now that we've had the announcement from the Prime Minister on the multi-hundreds of billions pound potentially here of the HS2, and what I understand may be additional money for buses in England, have it, has it been communicated to Welsh Government that we have a barnetised consequential that can be passed into public transport in Wales? Well, uh, thank the member uh, for that. I entirely agree with him. There has been a 30-year failed experiment in deregulation of bus uh, services. We will introduce a bill on the floor of this Assembly which will put the public interest back at the heart of the way in which public investment in bus services is carried out in Wales, allowing them, the local authorities that is, to be able to control licences uh, issued, to have more democratic input and control over strategic and local uh, routes. The bill that my colleague Julie James will be taking through the Assembly on local uh, government will provide local authorities with new abilities to come together uh, to plan transport uh, for their area. And of course, far more people use the bus in Wales than use the train. And that's why we will have legislation on the floor of this assembly to put bus services back where they belong, under the control of public authorities, run in the interest of people and not of profit. Uh, as far as the announcement today uh, is concerned, we have no certainty at all from the UK government as to, any, as to whether any funding will flow uh, to Wales both in relation to the announcement made uh, on buses or in relation to the HS2 uh, announcement. Of course, money must come to Wales. Our members here will be very familiar with the figures. 
We have 11% of the track, 20% of level crossings, as members were discussing here last week, and we've had 2% of the funding uh, over uh, the last uh, 10 years. The Tories' great train robbery of Wales needs to come to an end, Llawydd. Uh, uh, and we, we look forward to hearing uh, after today that that great train robbery is coming to an end. Question 8, Janet Rhyne Saunders. Will the Minister make a statement, uh, First Minister, make a statement on the Care Home Improvement Cymru programme? I uh, thank the member for that. The programme focuses on practical measures to improve the experience of care home residents, for example, by preventing falls, reducing pressure ulcers, and improving dementia care. It invests in the skills and capabilities of staff in care homes, from experienced managers to newly recruited workers at the start of their careers. Thank you. An integral part of the Care Home Improvement Cymru programme is the Gwen and Beth Oral Health Improvement Scheme. The scheme sees staff trained in mouth care. Oral risk assessments are carried out which lead to an individual care plan and residents are to have appropriate mouth care resources for their care plan, such as a toothbrush and high fluoride toothpaste. I have found that for the year ending March 2019, there were 10,228 residents in 287 homes participating fully in the programme. However, only 55% had a mouth care plan being delivered. What action will you take to ensure that the oral health of the 4,558 individuals without a mouth care health plan in place uh, that supposedly are participating in this programme will actually receive this treatment. Yeah, yeah. I thank the member for drawing attention to the Gwen and Bith uh, programme, a very important programme of the Welsh Government. It came out of work carried out by Sarah Rochia, mm -hmm. uh, the previous Older Persons Commissioner, uh, whose report you will remember focused on the very small things that make a real difference in the lives of care home uh, residents. And she drew attention to those basic primary care services, ophthalmology, dental services, and the Gwen and Beth uh, programme is the result of that. It was tested in care homes and with the community dental uh, services, and now we have a national oral health toolkit, and my colleague Bon Gethin announced additional funding uh, for this programme uh, just at the end of last year because it's a proven success. It makes a real difference in the lives of those care home residents and we want to see it happening in every care home in Wales. I can all our question now. Finally, question nine, Rina Bjorwerth. Will the First Minister make a statement on the Welsh Government's commitment to supporting the future of the Prince Madog research vessel? May I thank Rina Bjorwerth for that question. The Welsh Government has a contract with Bangor University to deliver sea survey services until 2021. This contract helped secure the future of the Prince Maddox research vessel in Wales. And I am very grateful for the government's response when I did draw ministers' attention to the risk that the capacity of the Prince Maddox to do marine research work could be lost because of the concerns about the future of the vessel, which is moored in Portheith in and I bridge in my constituency that 100 days work certainly has been crucial in terms of ensuring the future of the vessel in the short term 
but I would like to draw the First Minister's attention to the fact that 2021 isn't very far away now and that we now need to work in order to secure the long-term future. And I'd like to make an appeal here for a pledge from government to commit now to having negotiations on extending that contract, which can do ecological energy food research, for which could be crucial for years to come, because the clock is ticking and there is a crucial role for the government to play in securing the long-term future here. Well, so with me, I thank Rina Bjarwith for that question and thank you, thank him for the information that he gave us back in 2019 about the future of the Prince Madoc. I had an opportunity to visit the ship back in August of last year for the third time, I believe, and I met with the people who work in that field. They are so enthusiastic and they are so eager to carry on with the work that they're undertaking. The contract that we have at present, we're just in the first quarter of the contract. I hear what Rina Bjorweth is saying about the ticking clock, and I am certain that people at the university will acknowledge the fact that we have worked closer with them and we wish to continue with that collaboration and we want to jointly plan with them a service that will help us all in Wales towards 2021 and beyond. Thank you, First Minister.